Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. I also like to be challenged. I like to see something ahead of me and think, well, I would never do that or that, you know, and think of that as more as a challenge instead of like just a complete roadblock for me and see kind of if I can push myself outside of my comfort zone once in a while and, and do things that I never thought that I'd be able to do. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record holding athletes and health, life and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. It's so great to be with you today. Oh, it's great to be with you, too. And with our guest, who we are going to give a big introduction here in a minute, but let's say hello to her quickly. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Hi, guys. How's it going? <laughs> great. Great. Well, we are so excited for our show today. As you can see, if you're if you're watching, if you're listening, it is the legendary Amanda Beard. And it may be hard to fathom uh, calling someone a legend at the young age of 40, but when you start your Olympic career at 14. That is a lot of time to build your resume. Amanda qualified for four consecutive Olympics from 1996 to 2008, earning a total of seven Olympic medals. She set a world record in the 200 meter breaststroke in 2004 at our U.S. Olympic trials and then became the Olympic champion in that event in Athens just a few months later. Besides being an NCAA champion for the Arizona Wildcats and a two-time PanPAC champion, she was also the co-captain of the U.S. Women's Olympic swim team in Beijing in 08. Of all the great swim champions we've had on the show, Amanda seems to have crossed into that rare space for most swimmers into the celebrity status. She's been a model gracing the pages of some of the world's biggest magazines. She's been a TV sports correspondent and much more. Maria, can you share a little bit more with us uh, about Amanda? Sure. While Amanda's resume is elite, she succeeded and yet she struggled. She battled bulimia, body dysmorphia, depression, and drug use throughout much of her swimming career as described in her 2012 memoir, In the Water, They Can't See You Cry. Her self-esteem was eroded by an uncompromising pursuit of perfection and always being in the spotlight. But since she retired from competition, she's been busy being a champion in real life. For the last several years, she's championing how important it is for children to learn to swim. This led her to create the Beard Swim Company, a swim school in Gig Harbor, Washington, which she founded in 2017. This champion is much more than a former athletic phenom. She's a wife and a mother of two and an advocate for various causes. And we can't wait to talk with her and get some of her mojo for success. Amanda, again, welcome to the show. Thanks, you guys. (laughs) I don't know what else to say after that nice and wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. We're so delighted to talk to you. We are delighted Mm -hmm. to talk to you. And there are a few iconic guests that we love to start a very first question with this. And if you're one of our regular listeners, you'll know some of the other guests that we've asked this. So Amanda, let's rewind 20 years ago or or more now, it's 25 years (laughs) since you won your Olympic medal and the amazing things that we've just introduced you as what advice would you give now that you know everything you've been through to your 14 year old self? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. I think to be more present to just kind of forget about the next day and focus on the day that I was given and enjoy everything instead of, I, you know, when I was younger, I stressed a lot about trying to get better, like, you know, just trying to achieve perfection uh, and get a little bit better every single day. So I think just like be a little easier and kinder to myself and be present and be more in the moment. (laughs) Where did you learn to pursue or to think that you could achieve perfection and get a little (laughs) bit, like you said, get a little bit better every day. That sounds almost like somebody is telling you, you can get a little bit better every day if you work Mm -hmm. at it. That's really not how life is. Nope. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I, 
the thing is, I think it was just a lot of myself. I put a lot of pressure on myself. I was always a perfectionist. My parents are, are very, like, if you meet them, they're very chill parents, just kind of, they're not intense. They're not super strict. So it wasn't like my home life was influencing this, like, you must be perfect. You must do this, this and this. There was not a lot of that in my household. So I think, you know, I have, I have OCD where I have to have everything very structured and in their place. And so I think it just kind of overlapped into my swimming and other things that I was doing in my life. Wow. I can't help but think you started with this amazing coach, David Salo, who is Maria. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know who David so is. David Salo happens to be a really good friend of of a family friend of Maria and I's, um, Lou Sharp, yeah, uh, he loved the Dave late, Salem. the late Lou Sharp, rest in peace. He was just incredibly important man in both Maria and my lives. But, um, so it, and Dave Salo and Lou Sharp had a lot in common. So can you just give some, cause we have a lot of swimming listeners, but also those who won't, you know, just some of the, the, wisdom that you learned from Dave Salo, because he oh is gosh. just, I, you know, I mean, it, for me, it's not no coincidence that you swam for David Salo and you were, you are such a, an amazing swimmer. Well, I mean, he was my, you know, one of my first coaches, my club coach, where, when I started to get really serious about my training and, and my swimming, oh gosh, the amount of things that he, you know, kind of, helped shape me as an athlete and a person and would be hours and hours and days and days (laughs) to try to describe all of that. But I think the biggest thing with him was like, just to, oh my gosh, there's so many, but I mean, he was such, I I had such a great connection with him and respect for him as even at a young age that I always wanted to make sure that I was working really hard for him. And that I always felt that he had confidence in what with me and my abilities. And so I felt like if he was setting these goals and these expectations for me that they were achievable goals, like they weren't like, Oh, yeah, go to the Olympics, do this. And that there were things that he truly believed that I could accomplish in my life. And he just he kind of instilled this level of when you're at practice, you're you're there, you're 100% there, you're not thinking about homework at school or relationships or any of that kind of stuff, you're being there in the moment and you are giving a hundred percent. So, um, and that's in everything that we did. So whether it was stretching or dry land, or when we were doing, um, visualization or just breathing exercises or anything in the water, it was, it was done like <laughs> to perfection. So going back <laughs> with the perfection thing, but to perfection, because he just knew you were capable of it. And so if you took the time to actually focus and dedicate your that time in that moment to that, then you would um, be able to achieve it. And he just, he really helped me develop my stroke. And I, the, the craziest thing about all of this is when I told my parents that I wanted to swim more and just not swim in the summertime, we just went to the pool closest to us. And that was the Irvine Nova pool literally a mile down the street from where I grew up where Dave Salo was the head coach there. So it was just, it, it worked so perfectly into my world. My parents didn't know much about swimming. They just kind of were like, okay, well, here's a program, go swim there. And little did we know that it was with a coach that would become and be one of the most respected, amazing coaches ever. (laughs) Did you, did you take the you know, the be completely here and do this where, where you are 100%. Do you, do you still apply that in your life? Absolutely. I mean, it was everything that he taught me at a young age, I took into college um, with my coaches there and to the rest of my life, especially my training. And then, then applied that when I was done with training and decided to, you know, start my own business and things like that. So it was, you know, life skills that, that applied to everything that I did in my life, whether it was in the water or out of the water. Yeah, that that's fantastic. So, um, what a a question we love to, to know maybe other than David Salo, who do you think has had the biggest influence in your, in your life? 
Oh gosh. Well, uh, coaching wise, I trained with um, Frank Bush um, at the University of Arizona. We trained, he was my coach for, oh my goodness, 11, about 11 years. So he was a huge role in my life and just my training. Same thing with Dave, like just kind of instilling these, these great, not just teaching me, I guess, and helping me mold as a, as a person and um, helping me kind of navigate through life better. I mean, he was, he led the, our team to great success in college. I trained with him as a professional swimmer um, and made the uh, 2000 and 2004 Olympic teams with him. And then he, he left the university of Arizona to go become the national team director for the United States swim team. And um, now he's retired, but we still keep in touch. So that's, what's cool is I still keep in touch with these coaches that um, made huge connections in my life with Dave Salo and Frank Bush and um, Cindy Gallagher. They're all huge parts of my life. And I wouldn't be the athlete that I was without all of their um, wisdom <laughs> thrown at me. So a- after you, you retired from swimming, what are some of the things that you've done? I mean, you've done a lot of different things. What are some of the things that you've done that you, you know, you know, I think one of the, one of the big questions about being such an early and, you know, you know, at 14, <laughs> you were a huge success and you don't even know who you are at 14. Um, no. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so, and you grew up, as you said, in your book, you know, you grew up in that spotlight and that was, you know, caused you some of the confusion, I guess, you know, that you went through. But I, I guess my question is, you know, from that and from, you know, your early swimming, you know, what have you done since swimming that, that, that's really filled your chest. That's made you feel, you know, good and powerful and whatever, you know, well, be, be, yeah, well, being a mom, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's huge. My kids are my life and my world and, you know, watching them grow and, and helping them navigate life has been huge. And then obviously, honestly, too, um, starting our, our own business, myself and my husband and, it's one of those, like, I knew I knew how to swim. I knew I knew how to jump in a pool and train really hard and dedicate my life to that and becoming a really great swimmer. But you know, when you remove yourself from that comfort zone, and, and, you know, kind of throw yourself into a different world, uh, you never know, you know, you don't know the challenges that you're going to meet, you're dealing with very, I mean, I sit on a computer a lot of the day and, and working. (laughs) So it's, it's different, but I have loved, and I've been really excited about the for me, just kind of accomplishing something else outside of the pool, still related to swimming. So that makes it even cooler. But the challenge of, you know, building out a facility to um, put pools in and teach kiddos how to swim in our community has has been pretty cool, too. And from what I read, you're hugely successful. I mean, it's not just a little (laughs) success, but like you got waiting lists, right, to to get into your school. Yeah, that I always just say I need more pools because, you know, our pools are not lap swimming pools. They're not 25 yard pools. They're developed for learning to swim. So they're a little less intimidating for all those little ones. I just don't have enough water. So yeah, we have uh, quite an extensive waiting list. So hopefully um, over the next, you know, five to 10 years, we can get more um, Beard Swim Coast swim schools open all over the place so that in every community, there's a swim school available for kids to learn how to swim. So did you come up with that special you know, I, I saw the interview with you about what makes your swimming school or pool that you design, you know, you came up with that design on your own. Oh, it's got to have these warm water, not be too big and have these gentle steps. How, you know, how did you know that would be such a great place to, I mean, I'm dying to get my grandkids in your school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess for me, so my kids swam, they learned how to swim. We were still living in Tucson, Arizona, and I was training there. And my girlfriend owned a swim school there. And so I, my kids were learning how to swim there and just kind of watching them progress and learn and just the joy of a parent, seeing your kids learn how to swim is amazing. So I wanted to be able to do that too. I wanted to be able to have a facility like that. So um, to be honest, my girlfriend in Tucson helped mentor me a lot with some of the things that I needed to make sure that our facility had and catered to, to create the best environment for, for kids learning how to swim. So I can't take all the credit. I wish I could, but I definitely can't. <laughs> well, you certainly rolled it out. In your book, you, you do discuss a lot of your struggles, but for our listeners, can you just go over like 
when kind of your struggles started, what some of them were and how you got healthy. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it started to show in high school. Um, I think high school is just a hard time for everyone. I think that I added additional stuff onto my plate as a high schooler, you know, training full time. I swam between nine and 10 practices a week. So I was, you know, up early in the morning, um, swimming before school, going to school and swimming till late at night, every single day, basically, uh, then high school pressures and, I went to my first Olympics between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And when I came back as a a 14 year old coming back to high school as a sophomore, the last thing that you want to do is really kind of stand out, I guess, (laughs) or uh, me. I wanted to just blend in. I wanted to kind of forget about the Olympics, not forget it, but, you know, go to school and not have everybody asking me or or pointing at me and saying, Oh, she's the swimmer girl. Oh, in I just wanted to like go back, carrying my books, going to school, getting my average grades and go kind of back to normal. And it didn't completely go that way. And I think, you know, it was me just kind of denying that it was going to just go back to normal right away. But, you know, the city had a parade for me. I got picked up for my first day of school in a Bentley with the whole school in in like in front when my principal doing a speech to everybody and I had camera crews following me on campus and photographers around my high school. So it was not your typical. And I just, I built up a lot of anxiety with that because I, I was very uncomfortable with that kind of attention, especially at that age, I got better at developing skills of how to handle that. But at that age, I was just I would break down in tears constantly. So my parents started to put a lot of restrictions on um, how often the media was allowed to talk to me and do interviews and do photo shoots and things like that, because it just became very overwhelming for me to, to dedicate time to that at that age where I just wanted to hang out. I wanted to keep swimming and hang out with my friends and go to football games and just do the normal things. (laughs) Wow. So then you know, that was overwhelming. And then what happened? Yeah, yeah. Well, so that caused a lot of anxiety in me and kind of um, stuff like that. And then at that time, there's not a lot, you know, there wasn't really the internet, or it wasn't like a big thing then. So it was a lot of just newspaper articles. I went through puberty after the 96 Olympics. So my body changed completely. I went from, you know, 95 pounds to 120 pounds, five, two to five, eight, it changed my completely my whole shape, which then affects how you swim as an athlete. And so I started to swim pretty junky, (laughs) which, so I internalized that a lot as an athlete and just kind of really beating myself up over my performance and how I wasn't living up to the expectations that I felt that people around me had for me. Um, So I, you know, trying to be that person that was very trying to control every aspect of my life. I felt like, okay, well, I've gained weight, so I must lose weight. So I need to control everything that I'm putting in my body and how my body is and, and the shape of it. Um, literally, I mean, at that age too, I didn't realize this is just life. This happens. You just kind of have to like go through it and, and navigate it. But I was trying to control it more. And I had a lot of, you know, newspaper articles talking about just how I wasn't swimming at the level that I was was before the Olympics and during the Olympics and how, you know, maybe I'm done (laughs) and washed up and, you know, how that's last of me kind of stuff. So as a 14, 15, 16 year old, those kinds of words really, um, they, I read them as truth and not as like, as just articles that I can kind of dismiss, which I learned how to do a lot later in life. So um, that led to a lot of just my, you know, Uh, not only anxiety, but my body image issues, my eating disorder issues, and just how I treated myself as a, as a person, I was really hard on myself and pretty negative. And not a lot of that honestly changed until probably, you know, well out of out of college. (laughs) How did you get better? Uh, Good people around me. I mean, I already I always had good people around me but I didn't communicate with them about the things that I was going through. I was very, very private about all of that kind of stuff. I never talked about my negatives or my things that I was going through. I didn't want anyone to think that I was weak or couldn't handle things. So I never opened up 
I didn't open up until I met my husband. And that was when I was, you know, 23, 24 years old. And I mean, that was after my third Olympics. So uh, pretty like far along my athletic career, he, he encouraged me to get help and to talk to people and to figure out how to not be so hard on myself and stop that negative loop and understand, you know, the causes of the things that I was feeling and going through and how to start living a life that I wanted to live, you know, that I felt like that I deserved, like everybody deserves to live and stop being so darn awful on myself. So my, my husband was a huge positive, you know, role and I'm really someone that kind of pushed me in the right direction is what I needed and, and then encouraged me to talk to everyone. And, and it was the best thing that I could have done. So, and stop being so ashamed of who I was. So you're, you remind me, your career reminds me a little bit of Mel Stewart's and you guys were cutting edge pre pro swimmers. So now, you know, now swimmers can be pro. Everybody has an agent, um, yeah. <laughs> but you, you were out there navigating these waters dangling, young, dangling you know, by yourself. And certainly you're, you know, the, the fact that you weren't just a great swimmer, but you had these model looks, you know, just flat out, you know, so it wasn't just, it, it was, it was, I know you find that it's just so funny that you, you don't yes, think you're gorgeous, it is, it is so it's, it's a modesty thing, but you know, you have two careers as such. So there's your swimming talent. And then truly, if you had been recruited by the Ford modeling agency or any, you could have been a model, you know, so you had those, those skill sets, whether, you know, we're not going to make a, a uh, a commentary or, you know, a statement on whether looks are important or h- how they play into the world. Because I know Maria and I as aging women try not to get hung up on looks, but as a fact, you were able to be a model that could make a living modeling bathing suits, doing runway. You, you had those skills with your swimming skills. A little bit like Mel, you know, Mel was this gorgeous guy, um, did Baywatch, did his stuff. So when you were doing these swim, you know, risque swimsuit poses and posing in Playboy magazine, and did you have an agent? Did you have um, someone guiding you like these agents do today? Or what was your experience like going out there in the world as this kind of dual, you know, you, you were in territory that a lot of celebrity athletes were not in at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a a nice amount of staff and management around me, helping me kind of organize everything and, you know, approaching everything as, as a business, the way that it's, it's funny. I know, I know you guys, I, when I, when you guys say model, I giggle because I never really felt that way. I more so felt that I was booking all of these things because I was an athlete. And if I wasn't an athlete, there's no way that I would be doing this, this chapter of my career and that stuff. But I did have, I had, you know, I had an agent and then I had a couple of additional staff members who helped with making sure that I had hair and makeup. I had a PR team, all of that kind of stuff, people doing wardrobe stuff for me. So I had a a, a fair amount of people helping me navigate through those waters because I would have completely been lost because it's just not my not my normal world. My normal world smells of chlorine, right? So messy wet bun, goggle marks, and chlorine. So, <laughs> and if it's funny because my husband did a lot of a lot of media stuff with me and went to a lot of red carpet events with me, and we're both kind of uh, we're not bit we're you won't see us in clubs very often, you know, we're not those kinds of people. So, but I knew that I had to do red carpet events because they were great media hits. And that would be, uh, you know, great for my business, my role of, you know, being an athlete and everything that I was just doing at that time. So we would literally get, do hair, makeup, dress up, do all that kind of stuff, go to all the red carpet events, walk the red carpet, do as much media as we can. We literally enter the place. We're like, oh, this is cool. Wonderful. Awesome. And we'd literally jump in the car, go home, <laughs> put our pajamas on and watch like a movie and just be super lazy. And, uh, and, and to be honest, you, I, I'm, I wasn't built for that, that world. I have to wake up at four 30 the next morning to go to practice and I need to be, um, rested and prepared and ready to, 
to jump in that pool and train because none of my coaches that I had would ever let me get away with the excuse of, well, I was out late at a club because it was an opening. There's no way they don't, they don't let you get away with that kind of stuff. So, so I, I had a lot of people (laughs) helping me figure out that road for sure. How did you figure out how to be Amanda Beard Inc.? (laughs) I have no idea. Try out lots of falling on my face. Like I think you do with everything, right? Just kind of like throwing the spaghetti at the wall, trying to see what sticks, see, see what, where I fit in with stuff, what, what makes sense. And you know, making a lot of mistakes along the way, like we all do through life and trying to discover who we are and who we are as, as a person and then also in business. So, uh, yeah, I think the point <laughs> Kelly is making is that you are out way ahead of what of way others ahead. doing that. And yeah. so given your personality where it's like, please just let me sleep and be by myself with my family. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's kind of miraculous that you are able to create, you know, this very glamorous, beautiful, um, and also beyond that, I mean, I think you made us want to be swimmers. You made us want to be athletic. You made us, it wasn't just about you getting out there glammed up. You were also an athlete and you were also producing in the athletic world. So, I mean, I love what you did. It's just, to me, it's amazing that you were able to do it and be such a, you know, a forerunner to, you know, everybody's trying to do that now. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't make a lot of sense with my personality, especially for people who know me. But I think the way that I viewed all that stuff is was like, this is so short term. So Uh, I want to seize these opportunities. I want to go after it. There wasn't a lot of things that I refused to do as far as interviews, or like I said, going to red carpet events and stuff like that, because I felt like there's going to be a chapter in a moment in my life, I'm not going to be getting these calls or these emails that I'm not going to be asked to do these things. So I'm not going to have the regrets of I didn't go for it and have fun with it. And like, just say yes to almost everything that I could possibly do. Cause I felt, you know, especially looking at swimming, swimming is like we exist during the Olympics and then we're gone. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things where it's like, if I could try to figure out how to exist within those four years, even just the slightest, I'm going to do it. Cause this is going to be, this doesn't happen very often. So I, I just really wanted to take advantage of, of that. Cause I didn't know when it was going to go away. Yeah. What, um, what are your thoughts on your playboy appearance, why you did that and what the thought process was going in and how you feel about that now? I think it was, goes along with the same thing I was just saying is just taking advantage of that opportunity. Also, I was, oh my goodness, I don't even know how old I was, but I was early twenties, 23, 24, probably 24, somewhere in there. And I'm not going to have that body of that 24 year old for very long. And especially after having kids and stuff like that. So, and I work really hard to be in shape and why not show what a strong athletic body looks like, you know, like I'm, there's nothing prefab on my body or manufactured or anything. So it's just all, you know, long hours in the pool, working really hard. And I just, it was one of those moments where I felt like, okay, if I pass this up, is this going to be something that I regret in my future, not taking advantage of and doing? Cause it's like, I'm being offered to be on the, not like on the cover of playboy. And I had full control of um, who the photographer was the whole, everything that we, you know, I had full control over everything, which I thought was, you know, for a huge company and a magazine like that, that I felt like was, pretty darn awesome. So um, I, I have zero regrets of doing it. I think uh, it was stressful because you're really exposing yourself on a very vulnerable and different level. But um, I had full support of my family, my husband, you know, the, the, pe- the people in my tight community. So I felt, you know, ready to kind of tackle that next chapter and have fun with it. I, I'm just, I keep, this theme just keeps coming back as we're talking with you. You're so clearly private and modest and, you know, hardworking and, and yet time and time again, you have made, I would say the difficult choice of, of being really authentic. Like you're showing your body, showing, telling your story. And, um, is that part of your healing from, you know, keeping it all inside? Was it, was that part yeah. of the journey? And I, I think it's also makes you feel empowered, right? Yeah. Like I confident and like control in control of things and making decisions. And I also 
while I am very private and I am, you know, kind of keep a, to myself a lot with a lot of things, um, I also like to be challenged. I like to see something ahead of me and think, well, I would never do that or, or that, you know, and think of that as more as a challenge instead of like just a complete roadblock for me and see kind of if I can push myself outside of my comfort zone once in a while and, and do things that um, I never thought that I'd be able to do. And it gives you a level of like, okay, I, I'm a confident person. I can do this. So I, to me, it was more stepping up to the challenges of, of things that terrified you. Of, yeah, <laughs> completely. <laughs> I, I just want to go go back. Sorry, just for a second, because I think if there's parents or 15 year old or 17 year old girls listening to this, I want them to hear from you. Yeah. You know, you went, you did a lot of things. You, you did self mutilation. You, I guess there was bulimia. I'm not sure, you know, all of the extent of it. What would you say to, to some swimmer or gymnast or somebody else, you know, in a sport who's constantly, you know, their body, you you, you nailed it about the body changing. I, I saw that in cross yeah. countries, like your body changes in these sports and everything changes, everything mm-hmm. changes. So what would you yeah. say to those girls or the parents of those girls out there who may be struggling with those same just demons that you struggled with? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what happens is we go through those things and we start to think like, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one struggling. No one could possibly understand the things that I'm feeling, the emotional struggles, you know, the way that I'm viewing myself, especially if you look at, you know, like a young lady and you think, oh, she's got everything going for her beautiful, great grades. You know, she's accomplished in all these things. And then if she reaches out about things that you know she's feeling and experiencing emotionally and mentally some people will just dismiss that right no you can't feel that way look at all these wonderful things that you have going on but her feelings those feelings inside of you are so important and need to be heard and and to find the right people who want to be those listeners around you who help will help guide you in the right direction of getting the help and getting you on the track so that all of those great accomplishments that we are seeing are you're believing, right? So you're believing those things about yourself and, and you're living a fun life, you know, like when you're feeling so awful about yourself, life is not fun. It, it's hard. It sucks. Um, you put a smile on your face and you go about your life, but inside you're just, you know, it's dark and you're, you're crying your eyes out and, and that's not how we should be feeling. And you know, as humans, we're always going to have those moments and ups and downs in our lives because it's life. And we experience different tragedies and different things that we have to overcome. But as a whole, we should be, you know, um, have that support system around us who helps, you know, encourage us and guide us and reminds us, you know, of how wonderful we are. And it's not, you know, checking off all those little, you know, boxes on your list of, of, you know, well, you have to, you know, have your hair look like this, or your skin look like this, Ah, who cares about that stuff, you know, so um, uh, being okay with, with speaking up about it is, is really, really important for all those, not just young females, a lot of young men, and everyone experiences this at any age, you know, being okay with speaking up and um, exposing, you know, your true self to the people who you, you really trust around you, for me, when I did that, I felt like I connected with so many people on such a deeper level and then heard their stories. And it made me feel like, oh, I'm not this, this person, this black sheep walk, walking around. Look at this, this really accomplished, you know, you know, coach or athlete or movie star. And they're experiencing the same things that I am like, wow, okay, I, I can do this. I can handle this. So speaking up, it's huge. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, Amanda. So obviously just in the short time that we've been speaking, you are authentic. You are confident. You have this, um, ability to want to improve yourself every day. So these are three, you know, three, you love the challenge. These are three tremendous attributes that you have as a champion. Would, what other traits do you see that champions possess? Oh, champions possess. Wow. Um, I think just, oh gosh, well, I can tell you when I meet really successful, especially athletes, I love it when I meet them and I have a conversation with them and 
they're looking at me, right? And they're actually having a conversation with you. So I've had a lot of encounters with people where they're talking to, but they're kind of just talking at you and wandering. So I really enjoy those people who, who are respectful to, to the people that enter their lives and they engage with right on Mm -hmm. all levels, not just, you know, from Olympic athlete to Olympic athlete, just anybody that you're, you're coming into contact with, with your life. So I think, you know, the, the athletes that I have met along the way who have, um, you know, taken the time to like, talk to me and then remember those conversations and have those engagements. I think that's a huge thing of being a champion is being really engaged in the people around you. Wow. Gosh, that's a great answer. And that's just, that's just a champion in life. I mean, that that's like a successful Uh, business person. That's a successful parent. I mean, think about how much you love it when a parent looked at you and listened and really, I mean, Maria and I shared my mother and her mother-in-law. Was there anyone better than Norma Parker, Maria, that could grab you by both hands, look deep into your eyes and say, what's going on, honey? You know, I mean, that is like what you're describing. And it's just, it's such a great quality. I don't think we've had anyone say that 130 shows say that. And it's so true and so beautiful. And speaks that is so much to your maturity. It brings and tears to my eyes. It does. It does about my, my late mother. Yeah, um, she was. Well, she was excellent at that. Yeah, I mean th- those. I've ha- those encounters with those people that I've had have made long-lasting impressions on me. Mm-hmm. You know, and just everything that I've done. And those people have no idea that they've made those those that kind of an impression on me. But it's huge. It's so huge. Do you mm-hmm. do that? Amanda, when you meet someone, do you try to do that? I, well, I absolutely try, but I, I'm sure that I don't do it all the time. I, I, I try really hard, especially with um, my husband and my kids, because, you know, you get very um, lazy, I mm. guess, with, with your relationship with your spouse sometimes. And, you know, my husband will be trying to have a conversation with you, me and not to be like, you know, just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, where it's like, when he's talking to me or when anybody's talking to me, I those words are, they mean something, right? They're coming from him. So I want to be present and to be listening to him. And every, you know, I tuck my kids in every night. And that's one big thing. My, my son is very, um, he's a lot like me. He's very private. He doesn't talk about his emotions very much. So I make a point every night when I'm tucking my son in is to have these, like, it's this weird moment where he just lets everything Mm -hmm. out. So we have these, like, these long conversations just about, everything. And, um, and even like with my daughter, she'll ramble off about all of these wild little stories that happen at school and this or that, but they're so important to her and her life and what's going on with her that I'm going to listen. And I'm going to care about what you're telling me, because when you become a teenager, I still want this. (laughs) I want these interactions. And so if I dismiss them now, there's no chance that when you're 16, that you're going to be coming and telling me about what's going on at school anymore. (laughs) That is so, so smart. And (laughs) great, great parenting advice and uh, great uh, marriage. Again, (laughs) my mother was one of the greatest parents and she like every year through high school, I would come and sit on her bed. If I came in at one in the morning, I would come and sit on her bed and tell her everything. I did this. I did that. I drank a beer. I did, you know, and like, and I, because she was always there. So I think you're, that is, that is great parenting advice. That's cool. Well, hopefully I'll be like your, your mom. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like she was a pretty special lady. She was a very, very special lady. And, um, well, awesome. So, well, this is Amanda. I mean, I think we've gotten so much out of you and we want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. It's like so much mojo, you know, like the mojo is there. Um, we always ask the last question. We also have a fun sprinter round. So we still have a little okay. bit to cover before okay, we let you okay. go. But um, so is there anything that we have not asked you that you just would like to share with our listeners? Oh, oh my gosh. I don't know. You guys covered a lot of amazing topics. I would say, um, get your kids in swim lessons, (laughs) um, find a swim program in your community, in your area. It's such an important life skill. doesn't matter if they want to be swimmers, but um, the aquatic doors that will open will be huge. And just, you know, um, 
the, the drowning, oh gosh, I mean, it's preventable. So um, get your kids exposed at a young age. It's very important. So I think that that'd be my last, last thing that I make sure everyone knows that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. So this is the fun part. We just, um, (laughs) just lets our, our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And um, these are, like one word answers. I give, I give you a few, um, either ors and then Maria's got a few for you. So are okay. you ready to play? Ready. Cat or dog? Dog. Okay. This is not political. It's just red or blue. Oh God. Blue. All okay. cool colors. I don't like warm colors. They stress me out. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. Kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard. <laughs> uh, mountains or beach? Beach. Football or baseball? Baseball. Okay, you got one one hour. Cardio or weights? Cardio. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Morning person or night owl? Morning person. All right. Maria's got okay. a few here. These are short, okay. super, super short answers. Those are, are... I like that. That's fun. Okay. <laughs> Favorite color? Uh, blue. Favorite pizza topping? Oh, gosh. Garlic. <laughs> oh, that's a that's good one. My husband's. That's my husband's <laughs> favorite topping. Favorite vegetable? Broccoli. Favorite place to swim? Uh, Monte Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds nice. H- how, how do you relax? Swimming. <laughs> so you, boring, you right? I swim in my 90 degree pool. So it's more okay. of like a float swim. So that's relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> what's your shoe size? Nine. Okay. What's a favorite movie or book you've watched or read lately? Oh, favorite movie one that you might like that you've um well we're watching a lot of document document we watch a lot of documentaries so we just watched one on uh well the last dance the docuseries with michael jordan was a huge in our in our household so i would say that um and i love all the all baseball movies so maybe the natural or Mm. field of dreams would Mm. be huge for us (laughs) for me (laughs) what's your favorite music genre like classical or something like um, Johnny Cash or Paul Simon. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, okay. So last one. What word comes to mind first when you dive into the water? Butter. <laughs> butter I always butter. talk. I know that's really weird, but I always talk about like when you dive into a pool, like it's almost like a hot knife cutting through butter, right? Like, so, or that's how it's supposed to feel. Like, it's just that feeling of just like, like hmm. sliding through the water. Oh, it's really weird. <laughs> I'm no, sure. I get it. 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 And Mark and I always say when something is going really well, we go, oh, it's like butter. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So butter yeah. or butter. butter. <laughs> I love it. Oh, this has been wonderful, Amanda. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, yeah it's been that great. Was fun. You're Good. just, yeah, you're thank just you as guys. great and incredible person as I. I mean, I also had fangirl, you know, because I've been watching you. So it was really <laughs> exciting to talk to you, but you're just an incredibly wise person. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I loved all the questions you guys asked. That was really fun. So I appreciate everything. So it was a really great fun day. Okay, good. All right. Thank you. Take care, Amanda. Thank you guys. It's now time for the takeaways. Maria, you and I have heard the takeaways are the best part of the show. That's right, Kelly, because the takeaways are curated information, which is what we give to our clients when we coach them. If you would like to take your performance to the next level in health, life, or leadership, go to our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yes, just click on our coaching page and book there. We're looking forward to bringing out the champion in you. And now the takeaways. Well, Maria, here are the takeaways for the iconic, the legendary Amanda Beard. I mean, just so great. Just so great. Um, Like really, we, we get a lot of champions of varying ages, but when we can get someone who's 40 
you know, kind of in the prime of her life where she had this career of starting 25 years. She's already been out there in the spotlight, just doing a lot of things that, um, champions do four Olympic teams, just amazing. So, um, a lot of really great mojo, as we, we said, um, it was going to be hard to pick out just two each. Yeah. Um, what was, what was your first one? Cause I think that I, this one that you hit in the show for me was kind of the summary of Amanda. Yeah. You, you know, when you, when you talk to her and you listen to her, you, you become aware that, yeah, I mean, she's just, she likes to, you know, keep to herself and she's, she's got anxiety and she's, you know, kind of a perfectionist. And, and I don't think of people like that, just throwing themselves out there and doing things that they're terrified of again and again and again, but that's what Amanda Beard did. I mean, she, she wasn't the, she's not outgoing. (laughs) I mean, she's not the kind of person to, you know, to go to red carpets or whatever, but she did it. She, she said she would do things that terrified her. And that's, that's what bravery is. I, I try to, you know, somebody who's outgoing and, you know, they're standing up and, you know, giving a big speech, that's, that's nothing. But if you're, if you're terrified and you stand up anyway, in front of those people and you give a speech, that's what build that's bravery. And that builds confidence. And that's what she said. That's what confidence looks like. Confidence looks like doing the things that terrify you again and again and again. And that makes you believe in yourself and, and know who you are. And Kelly, you're really good at that. I mean, I, th- I think you do things, you know, we often talk about the things that you don't want to do for whatever reason, because of your anxiety and you do them anyway. I'm always thinking she's not going to do that. She's not going to, and then you do it. <laughs> and and I, I guess I, I really think this comes down to confidence. It's it, a good, it, it's a good, um, commentary on what confidence looks like, what kind of bravery looks like. And with Amanda, you know, it wasn't just the red carpet events because we know Maria, you and I as athletes, and we have a lot of athletes that listen to the show, um, that when you put yourself out there on the athletic line, you're putting yourself out there where people expect Maria Parker to show up and break records. Right. And if you show up and you don't, you're like putting yourself out there. So Amanda's body changed. Right. She turned into a woman. The media started saying she was harsh. a has-been. A wa- she could have just gotten Given out up. of swimming. Mm-hmm. She'd already, she'd already won a Olympic medal. You right. know, she could have, she could have left swimming. Um, so but she went out there. So what it was all kinds of things. So I love that. Yes. Confidence is the takeaway is confidence comes from comes doing, things, from you're doing things that you're terrified of. It's a, yeah. it's kind of a combination yeah. of bravery. Yeah. So, um, the other thing that I thought was really like the one you just did. And this one that I am going to cover, I think if, you know, of the whole show, these two things really stuck out for me was when we asked her, what trait she found most, uh, most memorable and most important in a, in a champion or a winner in life, it was connecting with people. It was really like when she remembered people or champions or anyone that really, when they meet her and, and they look in her eyes and they make her feel that she's connected to them and that they're with her in that moment. And this is, you know, in our digital distraction society, this is huge. And we said in 130 plus shows that we've had, no one has ever said this is a champion's trait. So this is kind of a like, we ding, 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 we got a new one, which <laughs> is c- connect with people and really take that time. And this can be with your spouse, with your child, with the yeah. sale you're trying to make it work with making a new friend, anything that we're all uh, just yeah. think, like looking at our phones or thinking about our grocery list or what's next. So I love that. Yeah. I loved it too. I loved how she applied it to her marriage because I think she said you can get lazy with the people closest to you. And I thought that what great advice to, to, you know, she said, you know, my husband can be talking and I can think, yeah, I know what you're going to say or whatever, blah, 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 blah. But she said, she really tries to discipline herself to connect and listen to him every time he talks. And her children too. It was a, it was very inspiring to both of us. We we're like, Oh yeah, that's so true. So, okay. Well, my second, um, takeaway from this is I, I just, I have this heart for, uh, people who, who maybe put together like Amanda, who, you know, they're, 
they're having bad thoughts or the, or something bad's happening. Amanda struggled with body dysmorphia and she, you know, she, she, um, she did some self mutilation and she, you know, and I know there's other people out there who maybe they've had, you know, bad sexual encounters or, or inappropriate anyway, whatever it is. And I think maybe swimming sort of attracts this kind of just put your head down and, and smile and swim and work hard. And, you know, whatever it is that's inside you, that's black and dark talk about it. And she didn't get better until she started talking about it. And when she talked about it, she talked about it in a big way. She had, she wrote a book. And so, you know, she wrote, and, and, and I, I hope that any young man or woman or parent will hear this or even adult, you know, however you are, if there's something deep and dark inside you, find someone you can trust to tell, start talking about it. Cause as Mr. Rogers says, if you can't talk about it, you can't deal with it. And it becomes bigger and more monster-like inside of you. Let it out. Let somebody else, as she said, she, when she started talking about things, it normalized, everybody's like, oh yeah, me too. Me too. You know, I've had that too. So um, I hope that uh, anybody who's in this dark space, or if you know somebody, you know, who, who seems like they're, seems like they're doing okay, but you're not sure you're getting all the story, you know, ask them about it. Keep asking, keep asking. That's sort of one of my gifts is like, I will not let a, a bone go. I mean, I will keep, if I think somebody's, you know, something's bad, I will keep asking. And I think, uh, you know, find somebody you trust if you've got something and, and talk to them about it. End of lecture. Love it. Yeah, no, speak <laughs> up. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, mental health issues have, you know, quadrupled because right. of the pandemic. So right, right. we know, you know, this is an important way to deal with, um, overcoming a lot of things is tell yeah. somebody, talk with somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my second thing, uh, was, you know, not something new, but, you know, repetition is the mother of learning That's and right. it's like being in the now, you know, that was the advice that Amanda would give her 14 year old self. She's looking back 25 years on a, right. an amazing life. What advice would you give that 14 year old? She said to just be present, not worry about what's happening tomorrow, but just be here. Yeah. So I love that. That was kind of a, a simple so one, but you know, very, very, very powerful. I cannot so. hear that enough because my, and I think a lot of ambitious people, we tend to live in the future and depressed people tend to live in the past. I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you can't hear that enough. We only have this moment. Just yep. be, be here, be now, be with the people you love, try to enjoy this very moment. I, I could probably, you know, have that written all over every wall in my house. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a lesson we need to remind ourselves every day. Yes. Yes. Well, Maria, I am in the moment with you right now. And this <laughs> I has love been it. Fantastic. I love, I love you. I love you so much, Kelly. We'll talk to you later. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Amanda Beard. Being a champion is really about being engaged with the people around you. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.